Father, thank you for uh, the good word of God. Thank you for tomorrow night. It is our good pleasure to show our neighborhood how generous and kind you are. We never could have paid for salvation. It was free. Now it costs you, but it's free to us. And so, Lord, we just love putting your salvation gift and your love, which is free. It cannot be bought. We love putting you on display and your goodness. So we just thank you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everybody sit. Amen. Amen. All right, your word. I don't know if we'll get to it today, but it'll be good for you anyway. You can eat 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. We'll see if we get there. Maybe not uh, with how long the, the worship and intimacy went this morning. We've been looking at uh, centrality of Jesus and things that Jesus taught. Well, he taught truth. God is our Father. He taught uh, Father's kingdom is accessible now. He taught regeneration. You must be born again. Amen. Obedience from the heart, not by kicking rocks. And then verse 6, the Holy Spirit. So Jesus came delivering to us the Holy Spirit. He came teaching introducing the Holy Spirit. Look at Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. The promise. Everybody say, the promise. There's so many promises in Scripture. Only one is called the promise. Okay, this is the promise of my Father. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from the heavenly realm, from on high. So Jesus came that we all might receive the promise of the Father. And that promise is the Holy Spirit. And I like to define it this way. The Holy Spirit is the reality of Christ in your life. The reality that He's with you, that He loves you. You know, when you experience the love of God this morning, it is the love of the Father. And it is because of Christ's sacrifice. Amen. That that bridged the gap, brought reconciliation. But the Holy Spirit is who executes what you experience in regard to the love of God. He's the finger of God in the earth. Does that make sense to you? So, yeah, we love God the Father. Yes, we love God the Son, but we love God the Holy Spirit as well. He is the one who executively produces uh, the love of God here that you're experiencing. Uh, As I mentioned, it is the Father's love. It is because of Christ's gift, but the Holy Spirit is who executes it. Same way when you love one another. You know, when you're genuinely loving each other, you're loving somebody at work, for example, or maybe, you know, loving your son, uh, the Holy Spirit, that's His partnership with you. You two are partnering together when someone else is experiencing the love of God in and through you. Now, it's interesting. Jesus says here, go and wait. Did you notice He said, don't, don't preach, don't teach, and don't go minister to anybody until. Now, look at the modern church. We're trying to do all kinds of teaching, preaching, go out, minister to everybody, but apart from the Holy Spirit. It can't, it can't be human reasoning. There's no power in human reasoning. And just because you believe Jesus died 2,000 years ago. The Holy Spirit is the one who is the executive producer of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ in and through us. So I thought that was interesting. Jesus said, don't do anything until you have the Holy Ghost. Jesus knew the great need of the church would be our personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, that we'd have this personal, His personal presence with us and in us. Remember in John 14, He had said, the Holy Spirit's with you now, but He will be in you. And then in John 16, 7, He said, it's better that I go away. Jesus knew the church's greatest need was His personal presence. 
Let me finish the John 14 thought because he said, I'll send the Holy Spirit to you. And then he switches his language and he says, I'll come back to you. In the day of the Holy Spirit, I'll come back to you. So it is the personal presence of Jesus Christ, the same Spirit that was alive and in Him, raised Him from the dead, is the one that you're fellowshipping with. Amen. It is the very Spirit of Christ. And so He knew exactly what we need. He, he knew uh, needed that we needed a greater power on the inside of us a greater presence and person on the inside of us than anything outside of us. That's the greatest need of the church, guys. Not great programs and systems and ideas. And Our greatest need is the Holy Spirit, the, Spirit the, the presence of Christ in us, which is greater than anything we face on the outside of us. Amen and amen. Now, the promise mentioned here had purpose. And that's to empower you with divine knowledge. We spent a lot of time on 1 Corinthians 2. No one knows the things of God but the Spirit of God. The Bible is certainly a thing of God. So the Holy Spirit, this promise that He was going to deliver on had purpose, and that's so you could know God. He's going to empower you with divine knowledge so you can know Christ. And then out of that, be able to make Him known. We can't, we can't make Jesus known to our neighborhood tomorrow night if we've never met Him. Amen? And yeah, it, it, we may be delivering them a, a hot dog or a sausage, but we're really delivering the love of God and the person of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, may it be, may it, may it be true about us, Lord, where they said, they knew these people had been with Jesus. Amen. That's why, you know, when we do these outreaches, it's not like, hey, here's a hot dog, will you come to our church? The church can't save anybody. I want them to know the person of Jesus Christ. Receive Him into their heart and then fall in love with Him and get to know Him. Be His disciple, right? Be His, his follower. If they come to church, well, amen, they're going to hear about Him, Right? Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Christ for the remission of sins. And look at this, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise, there's that word, the promise is only for the twelve apostles. Isn't that what they told us? (laughs) All that's gone. We don't need that anymore. If the Holy Spirit's still here, I promise you the gifts are still here. Everything that He has and that He is is still here. Amen. Amen. This promise is only for the twelve. No, this promise to you, your kids, everybody far off, as many as the Lord our God would call. The Holy, the Holy Spirit is the promise because He executively produces all the promises. Just like I said, when Jesus said, Hey, I love you forever, the Holy Spirit executes the love of God where you experience and recognize His love. You know Him. You can't even know and recognize the Lord apart from the Lord. Flesh sure doesn't recognize Him. Amen? Flesh doesn't know Him. Flesh doesn't recognize Him. Watch, the, watch TV. They don't know Him. They don't recognize Him. And it's a better covenant. The Holy Spirit, I want to get into this a little bit today. The Holy Spirit... is has brought to us a better covenant with better promises. And it's a better covenant with better promises because it's certified by the blood of Jesus. Aren't you glad it's not you that sealed the deal? 
Guess who the covenant's between? God the Father and God the Son. So if you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you are in the covenant on His merits. It was never yours. There's a certainty with the new covenant because it's His blood that guaranteed it. Go ahead and give Him praise. Go ahead. We do that around here. It's all right. In the old covenant, you you just weren't sure. It was kind of like, well, if you did this, then you could get this. But in the new covenant, it's yours. Delivered to you by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is done. It is finished. Amen. The old covenant, you kind of had this relationship with the rules, the do nots and all that, thou shalt not, etc. In the new covenant, you have a relationship with the divine person of God himself via the Holy Spirit. It's a better, everybody say it's a better covenant. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But whoever's joined to the Lord is what? One spirit with him. Amen. He'll abide with you for? He'll never leave you nor? And yet, Kyle, every time we do a big piece of stupid, the flesh sings the same old song. Well, God doesn't love you. He's probably bailed out on you by now. I'm one spirit with him and it's not my spirit that's ever sinned. I got a new spirit when I joined my spirit with Christ and he joined himself to me. I do not sin by the spirit. Now I can certainly sin by the flesh or in my thought life and soulish man. But even my soulish man is being saved, is being conformed to what's happened in my spirit. Take that home with you. Whoever's joined the Lord is one spirit with him. So when you do something dumb, He's with you. He saw the whole thing. (laughs) And if let me say this. And if something terrible is done to you, He saw the whole thing. He's with you. He's there. What they did to you, they did to Him. Don't, Don't sit around and say, where were you? He was there. And the question is not why. Why do bad things? Why did somebody do that to me? The question is who? Who's going to get you through it? Who's going to rebuild you? Who's going to supply every, everything you need to go forward? Amen? Amen. Go ahead, church. Let's give him praise this morning. He's worthy of it. He's worthy. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does outside the body, whoever commits sexual immorality sins against his own body, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is where? In you. Whom you have from God. <clears throat> and you're not your own. Wow. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit because they belong to God. Wow. I love it. Your body even belongs to the Lord. So think how hard the priest had to work. There's a lot to do to to be qualified to go into the, the temple once a year. And now he says, you're the temple. Yeah, that tabernacle thing, they worked so hard to try to get into the Holy of Holies. Outer court, middle court, Holy of Holies. Spirit, soul, and body. Body is outer court, soulish man, uh, most holy place. Holy of Holies, your spirit man. And he is telling you, as hard as they worked to get into the tabernacle, you are now that tabernacle. You are. Why would we offer anything else, Ron? When our neighbor 
when our neighbors and our, our neighborhood comes out, our community comes out tomorrow night, why would we offer them church attendance? Are you kidding me? Let's offer them Jesus. And if they want to be part of a fellowship that's madly in love with Jesus, and who understands the church is not ours, it belongs to the Holy Spirit. He's in charge of it. He can do with it what He wants. If they want to be part of that, man, come on in. Walk with us. <laughs> Love what Ron Bridges says. If it found out about you, what's been found out about us, and that we desperately need Jesus, welcome. If you got problems, come on in. You got weaknesses, come on in. Amen. We need Him just like everybody else does. All right, so let me keep going. <laughs> Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's inside you. You have it from who? From God. God, you have the Holy Spirit inside you from God. God gave you Himself. That is the gift of salvation is Him. Man, that's so crazy. I thought it was, you know, because I signed that card and then, and then I got that Bible with the zipper on the side. I thought, I thought that's what I got. And then intellectually in my head, I had, you know, consented that Jesus died for my sins. Now, if you're born again, you got God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What's eternal life according to John 17.3? Anybody know? Knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ. Experientially, firsthand, first person. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is knowing God. Now, you can't know Him unless He comes inside of you and says, Hey, here I am. Let me teach you who I am. Oh, my goodness. You can't get that at cemetery. I mean seminary. <laughs> let, me, let me rephrase that. Some seminaries, I'm sure, introduce people to Jesus. But if it's all head knowledge, what good is that? you got the author of Scripture on the inside of you. Listen to him. Let him teach you. Let him coach you up. So he says, you have the Holy Spirit from God. It's the gift of God. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Guys, when I was 20 years old, you, for those of you that are new, when I was 20 years old, I was playing baseball up at Northeastern State University in Tahlequah. And I had a real crisis uh, in my flesh. I'd been a Christian since I was 13. I invited Jesus into my heart. But for seven years, I tried to live the Christian life. And what I found was I couldn't do it. I had no idea God was with me. Uh, even though I had invited Him in. And my cussing went from, you know, like 10 a day to about 7. So I knew something happened. <laughs> I, I was a little different. Something had happened. Something was at work in me. But anyway, for 7 years, I'm trying so hard to get God to love me. I wanted to be worthy of Him saving me. He had, I mean, He'd done so much for me. But all I could find out was I'm terrible at this. And I even told him, I said, how come you, Jesus encountered me in my room when I was at Northeastern. I said, how can you love somebody like me? Because I must be an embarrassment to you. I cannot live the perfect life. And you know what he said? He said, because you're mine to love. That he had purchased me. And I didn't even know this scripture at that time. But boy, did I rejoice when I found it. Because it totally confirmed what the Lord told me in my room when I was 20 years old. He said, Steve, at one time you belonged to the enemy, but I purchased you and you belong to me. I am incapable of forsaking you. <laughs> Amen? Can you take that home in your, in your pocket? He's incapable of forsaking you. 
Now, you, you might not love him and you may decide to take a hiatus and live on your own for a month or two. Let me know how that works out. But only arrogant pride would think that he's looking to you to determine who he is. And the guy I encountered in, encountered in my room as a 20-year-old, I did not have the power to change his character. And when he said that he was incapable of forsaking me, I believe it. Okay, let's go to this one. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, Jesus said, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who... Come on, ask Him. You want the Holy Spirit? Ask Him. And I'll give you a little clue. Ask Him without fear. Because right ahead of this verse, He talks about if you ask me, uh, a, a natural dad for bread, would he give his child a scorpion? Euphemism for the demonic. I'm not, God's saying, I'm not going to give you anything that's harmful when I give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. So don't listen to the dead theologians who think the Holy Spirit's gone. Don't listen to them. Don't be afraid. If they taught you, if they taught you, well, I don't know, tongues is of the devil. You better watch out. You better this or that. That's, that's the enemy. Okay? That's the enemy. God will not, when He gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit, He's not going to give you anything demonic with it. Nothing for you to be afraid. So ask without fear. Ask without reservation. And are you ready for this one? This is my favorite. Ask without condition. (laughs) Well, Lord, I'll take the Holy Spirit as long as you don't knock me over. Lord, I'll take the Holy Spirit as long as you don't send me to Africa. Lord, I'll take the Holy Spirit as long as I don't start dancing around or shouting like Bill. Who made you? God did. Who knows what's best for you? Then ask without reservation and without condition. Amen? The church that's going to be fruitful and victorious in this modern, secular, confused era we're living in. How many of you know there's a lot of confusion out there? The church that's going to be fruitful and victorious is going to be the church that has divine knowledge from the divine person of the Holy Spirit. Those who are abiding in Him, living connected to Him, feeding on Him. I'm telling you, He's the Spirit of truth. Jesus said, He'll guide you into all truth. We're living in a culture that's so confused, they think truth is relative. That humans have the power. Oh my God, somehow we got the ability to create our own truth. Truth was here before we got here. Truth will be here long after we're gone. Man does not determine the truth. John 8, 32, we discover the truth. Jesus said, if you know the truth, if you come to know, if you discover the truth with the help of the Holy Spirit, you'll be free. He didn't say go around and determine whatever you think truth is. My goodness. So man and politicians have ideas, but the battle that we're in is going to be won with spiritual weapons, guys, not human reasoning. Not human reasoning. No politician is going to save us. Everybody needs to get born again in the United States of America. When that happens. Amen. When that happens, the government will shrink. 
right? You need the more, the more individual governance you have by the Spirit of God, and He is the governor. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, Jesus brought the government of God on His shoulders. So when you're governed from within, you don't need laws to prevent you from doing dumb stuff. And the reason we have so many laws right now is we have so many heathen, people that are not internally governed. The federal government, have you noticed, it's getting bigger and bigger. Every year it's bigger, crazier. We need everybody to get born again. My point is this, that this is not going to be won in the natural realm. You want to win. This battle happening right now is spiritual battle. And you don't, don't be mad at people. We're not warring with flesh and blood. And if we're going to win this, it's going to be one with spiritual weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strong, faulty belief systems, error, um, lies, deception. Let every high thing come down. Let every stronghold be broken. I'm telling you, it's a spiritual battle, guys. No, I'm, not, I'm not saying we don't vote and all that stuff. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying can we focus on the realm of the Spirit? That's how we win. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There's therefore now no condemnation. I just want to contrast a little bit of the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ who walk no longer according to the flesh. Aren't you glad? But we live by the Spirit now. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Which one of those is the new covenant? Which one's the old? The new covenant is the law of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 8 says that the new covenant is literally the ministry of the Spirit. So we are people of the Spirit, born of the Spirit, who worship in Spirit. We pray in the Spirit. We witness by the Spirit. Does this make sense? We study Scripture with the Spirit. And the Old Covenant being the law of sin and death, which simply means your individual efforts to be right with God. Which we can't. Verse 3, For what the law couldn't do, that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son, the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Look at that. He didn't condemn you. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled where? Where? In us. Christ is in you. The fulfillment of all that's required is already done and seated on the inside of you. We don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. How many of you ever wondered, man, how does that guy, or how's that lady, how's that woman of God, how do they live such a spirit first spiritually empowered life. How do they do it? You ever wondered that? This is how. They set their mind on the things of the Spirit, not on CNN. Amen? Amen. Not on TV. They set their minds. You should underline that in your Bible. They set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life is Zoe, the life of God. Peace is Irene, nothing missing, nothing broken. It's wholeness in God. I don't know how Christians miss the fact that the Christian life is a healthy life. He is a physician. 
Love is healthy. Joy is healthy. Peace is healthy. How about grudges? How about repaying evil for evil and venom for venom? How does that that make you feel good? (laughs) To be spiritually minded is great health to us. We need to lock into it. Now let me give you a few nuggets. Back on verse 2. The law of the Spirit is the force of God at work within you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. That's the law. There is a law in the New Covenant, but it's the law of the Spirit leading you, guiding you, empowering you, loving you, supplying you everything you need for life and godliness. I love that. God's at work in you to will and to do His good pleasure. Don't ever let, don't ever let the devil snapshot a picture of your life and say, God is through with you. That is a lie. Never let him freeze frame a mistake that you made and say, God doesn't want anything to do with you. He's, for, he's surely going to forsake you. No, he won't. Holy Spirit's here to execute it. I'd even tell you this, execute his presence is always with you. I'd even add this, Romans 8 goes on to say, nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. So why can't I be separated from the love of God of Christ Jesus? Because he's in you. You've seen that prayer, right? Oh God, please love me. Please be with me. I feel so alone. He's like, hey, I'm in you. I'm right there. You're living by your feelings. Get out of your feelings and get to truth. The real reality. That's what truth means in the Greek New Testament. Aletheia. The real reality. When I was 20 years old, I was talking about being in uh, in Tahlequah, Northeastern. This is exactly what the, the devil told me. I had sinned again. It was like the 500th time, you know, this one sin. I couldn't beat this sin. And I, I couldn't graduate to a better sin. I was stuck right here, you know, a lesser sin. I couldn't graduate to a lesser one. And he told me, he said, God wants nothing to do with you. Heard it. How many of you know, and our young people are figuring this out, not every voice in your head is you. And not every voice in your head is the Lord. We had two students at camp this last week. Boy, this is a powerful testimony. Two students at camp that during worship, one of them's raising her hands for literally like the first time and she heard this voice say, that's dumb. What you're doing right now is dumb. What are you thinking? And you know what she did? She remembered her mom told her, not every voice that comes to me is my own. Not every voice that comes to me is God. So she raised her hands even louder. And said, devil, shut up. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And if he tries to remind you of your past, raise him even higher. And say, devil, thank you for reminding me of everything he's already forgiven me of. Thank you for reminding me again of all the reasons I love him. And then the other student, she was praising God during worship. And she heard this voice say, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve any of this. You're here in this room with all these kids that love love God. You don't deserve this. She did the same thing. Shut up, devil. And went right back to praising God. Amen. Amen. If our young people can do it, we can do it, right? So the enemy said, Steve, God wants nothing to do with you. Because when you sin and you say you're sorry, you go back and you do it again. And that's proof you don't even mean it. And then he said, I'm not even sure you're a Christian because Christians don't struggle with the same sin more than one time. (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) 
He literally told me that. And you know what I said? I said, and I'm wearing all the guilt of it. I'm, I'm wearing it. I got that dirty garment on. I mean, you know, underneath that garment, I was still as pure and righteous as the day I got born again. But the enemy, he clothed me in all that. And I said, you know what? Even if you're right, I've never known love apart from God. And so I'm going to worship him anyway. This literally was my thought, Sylvia. God has left Steve, but Steve's going to serve God anyway. That was my thought. And when I made that decision, that's when the Spirit of the Lord showed up in my room. And I never felt love like that before. I didn't see him physically, but I I could see the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ in my room. And I began to weep uncontrollably because everything the devil told me I could not have that I did not deserve was standing, exuding from this person. Never felt forgiveness like that. Never felt love like that. And that's when he told me those things. Steve, you're mine to love. I can't leave you. You're mine. I bought you. He went on to tell me that, uh, Steve, I don't love you because of what you do. I love you because of who I am. And if you'll learn to look at me instead of looking at you all the time, I'll make you just like me. That was uh, 32 years ago. And I'm not, I'm not there yet. But I tell you what, I look a lot more like him today than I did then. And for that, I'm grateful. The law of Moses is the law of sin and death. It's the force of man trying to be like God without God. And that was me. He was with me, but I didn't know he was with me. So I was just trying super hard to deserve his love. And thankfully, he said, Steve, from this day on, you walk out of this room, live from my love, not for it. And he said, because everything you do... I was 20 years old. I, I would go to church. And I, I even gave money. I had no money, but I would, I would go to church and I would give money. I tried to help guys on the baseball team to find Christ. I was doing things. But he said, everything you do, Steve, is rooted in unbelief because you're doing them so I'll love you. And I already do. And so he said, live the rest of your life with my love. From it. It's yours. Stop trying to earn it and share it. Isn't that, isn't that powerful? So that's what happened to me. If you wonder why, why is this guy crazy? That's what happened. <laughs> that explains everything, doesn't it? So with this fresh understanding of the vine and the new covenant, and I haven't got very far into it, but guess what? Our job is not to get all the sinners to quit sinning. And I, if you're like me and you see some of the stuff on TV, you're like, oh, I, I'd do anything to get that guy to quit sinning. But how do you know, if they quit sinning, they still go straight to hell when they die. They have to be born again. And listen to me. If you want it to be holiness that counts, nobody can be holy apart from the Holy One. So you got to get them to Jesus. Your goal is not to get people to quit sinning and acting dumb. Your goal is to introduce them to Christ, the vine. He is the one who can supply life and holiness. Amen. Can we give Him praise for that? I took that burden right off of you. Because, <clears throat> you know, I, I struggle with Antifa. I, I struggle. <laughs> but I'm praying for them to get connected to Christ. 
Listen to this in verse 5. Let me give you this out of the, out of, uh, the Greek New Testament. Those who live according to the flesh. The word flesh is sarx, S-A-R-X. It means flesh, human nature, materialism, or self apart from God. That's the flesh. Self apart from God. It goes on to say, life untouched by and unaided by the Spirit or the finger of God. That's the flesh. So when we do things that God's not telling us to do, it's a work of the flesh. And I don't want to do that. I want to do a bunch of religious stuff and it be Steve. I want His Spirit lifing uh, and executing His life and Spirit in and through me. Last thing on verse 6 there, I mentioned about health. Christianity is good health. It's not about just some destination we're trying to get to this place called heaven. Man, I'm telling you, there'll be life and peace to you right here, right now. All right, 1133. Well, let me give you one. I got to at least give you one of these new covenant scriptures. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. This is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. According to Exodus, and I think it's 34, who wrote, what part of God, of His anatomy, wrote on the Ten Commandments? The finger. The finger of God. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the finger of God in Luke eleven twenty, which makes sense. Okay, Spirit of the Lord wrote the Ten Commandments. But where is He writing them now? So instead of one time on a rock, now look at the blessed New Covenant. That same finger of Almighty God is writing your instructions on your heart and mind every day it's not one trip to the temple one time a year you are the temple of God and he's writing his instruction on your heart and mind I'll be their God you'll be my people none of them shall have to teach his neighbor none will have to teach his brother saying know the Lord for all shall know me from the least to the greatest he does away with hierarchy not one person in this room can think, well, Brother Steve's got something I don't have. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. The same spirit I have, same word of God I have, is what you have. Now, I might have a different gift or expression within the body of Christ than you, which, hey, that's okay, right? We need them all. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Yeah, amen. So he does away with hierarchy. Everybody in the new covenant can, can know him. And be even one with Him. You see, in the Old Testament, He just sent the priest in once a year. And then verse 12, For I'll be merciful their unrighteousness, their sins and lawless deeds I'll remember no more. And then He says, A new covenant, He's made the first one obsolete. Now what's becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. We have the inheritance of the Holy Spirit. That is the gift of God in the new covenant. That we get to live and move and have our being in Him. Stephen, you can go ahead and come. Does this make sense to you? Jesus made a point to not only teach on the Holy Spirit, but make sure He introduced us to the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, I'll show you next week. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus doesn't leave until the Holy Spirit is on the doorstep of the church. Which means, oh... That must be why He came. The Holy Spirit's on the doorstep of the church. In Acts chapter 1, verse 9, 10, and 11, He does not leave after the cross or after the resurrection. We're all the way into Acts chapter 1. He's there with them, talking to them about the kingdom, 
And then he departs once the Holy Ghost is on the doorstep. Will you stand with me? It's our prayer here at Grace Church that each and every one of you get to know the divine person of the Holy Spirit. Walking with Him, talking with Him. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you say, Brother Steve, I've never made Jesus Christ Lord of my life. I've never received His divine life on the inside of me. That Scripture that whoever's joined the Lord is one spirit with Him. I've never seen that. But I want to welcome Christ into my heart so He can begin writing each and every day His instruction. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and say, Brother, that's me. Would you pray for me? Anyone. I want to be born again. Gathered church, if you're here this morning and you'd say, Brother Steve, I tell you what, I want to I continue to get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. And if I have old covenant thinking and residue in my mind, I just want to pray with you that the Holy Spirit help wash that away. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, pray for me. I want void of my old covenant performance thinking. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we just thank you for the gathered church. And then Holy Spirit, we give you permission. Wash away our old covenant thinking. Let the veil. 2 Corinthians 3 says, whenever we turn to the Lord and the Lord is the Spirit, the veil is taken away. That Lord, we enter into just the new covenant ministry of the Holy Spirit. I want to get to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want to do the things you ask. I want to abide in you. I want to walk in your ways. And I want to do your works in partnership with you. So Lord, bless each one. Gather church this morning. In Jesus' name.